Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. How are we this morning? We're well? We're good? Feeling good? I've had two coffees, so I feel good. Uh, I'm excited to uh, bring you a word this morning. And this morning, uh, we've been in kind of like a series where we get to pick our own adventure. And, um, and I was kind of hoping, oh, they had the, remember the graphic that said, message generator, I thought, when I saw that we are doing that, I thought, they're going to hit a button, we're just going to have to go with whatever (laughs) we're given, like a lucky dip. Um, And then I saw in the preaching roster, it was like the theme title was Stand Alone, and I was like, why are we preaching on standing alone? Like, that doesn't sound good, but stand alone, you know, you can choose your own thing. But this morning, uh, I'm, I'm pumped to bring you a message, so get your notepads out, I mean, if you have a notepad, does anyone have notepads anymore? Oh, there's some notepads. Lucky, I was about to say, if you've got a notepad, I'll give you 50 cents. Um, <laughs> but I don't have any coins on me today. And, um, and I won't say that because I counted how many hands there were. Um, but good on you. And uh, get your, your notes out on your phone or whatever. Get your Bible out. But we're going to start in Genesis this morning. And uh, my t- the title of my message this morning is Cancel All Confidence. Ooh. Sounds a bit like, you're like, hey... <laughs> I don't have any confidence left. What do you mean, cancel my confidence? (laughs) Cancel all confidence. Write that down, type that out, whatever you need to do. Um, And it's a simple message this morning. It's it's really simple. I've got a bit of a testimony. And um, and my heart is that you just connect with God in a whole new way this morning. You just leave feeling lighter, closer to God. And uh, it's not like a dense theological message or anything. I just really felt like God... Um, told me just to bring this, just bring this simple testimony kind of message this morning. And we're going to start in Genesis. Genesis 1, 26 to 27. We're going to start in the beginning. And we're going to go through the whole Bible. No, just a... We're going to start in the beginning. And I just want to kind of set the stage for the word, the message this morning. And um, I love Genesis. Sometimes I think we, we don't go back and read Genesis a lot because we go, oh, we know what happens, you know. We know, like I learned about that in Sunday school or Victory Kids and um, probably used to be called Sunday school, I don't know, but um, Victory Kids. And, you know, but when you go back, it's actually an incredible, incredible book. Like I absolutely love it. So we're going to start there. I'm going to kind of skip through different parts of it. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it goes a bit long. And, um, but that's going to come up on the screen for you this morning if you need it. Okay, so we're ready. Genesis 1.26 is, you know, in the beginning, the Spirit of God started hovering over the earth and started creating things, but we come to the moment where God starts to create us, humanity. And it's incredible what He says. It says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God creates humanity. And we know the story as we move through. God creates uh, Adam and Eve and It says that he created Adam out of the dust of the earth and he breathed life into his nostrils. He's a, you know, menthol, menthol flavour maybe, I don't know. But God breathed life into Adam and he was, he he became alive and he told Adam, he said, hey, I've got all these trees for you. I've got all these fruit bearing plants for you. You can eat whatever you want in the whole garden. 
anything you want except this tree, the tree of the knowledge, and this tree you can eat. You're not allowed to eat from that tree, but you can eat from the tree of life and everything else. And then Eve came along. God created Eve out of the rib of Adam. and, And then all of a sudden, here comes this other character, the serpent. Genesis 3, 1 to 10, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For our God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So in an instant, the disobedience plunged humanity into sin. Plunged, it poisoned the bloodline of all humanity. This one decision, this one moment plunged all humanity into a predicament that separates us from God. And then it says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he's walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. Oh, so, so sorry. It says, And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to them, called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. It's an incredible story. If you, if you meditate and ponder on this passage, it's just, it's incredible. I love it. But um, we're going to take a bit of a tax now. We're going to come back to that. But lately, as I was talking about late, earlier, I, um, I was talking about music and I was getting a bit nostalgic about music. Who loves getting a bit nostalgic? Oh, like, is, I just love getting nostalgic, thinking about, you know, the teen years and music. And there's something about the teen years and the music that you listen to in the teen years, right, that just stays with you. Like, there's something psychological where it kind of puts an imprint on you or something. And that, I'm a bit worried about that, to be honest, with what I used to listen to. But I was getting really nostalgic, and I just love getting in this nostalgic mode. And I actually went to a record store recently, like a secondhand record store. And... Um, and I, uh, I, was selling, I was selling some records for someone and they, sold some, they liked some of them, they didn't like some of the other ones. But I started flicking through the records and I was like, oh, this is a bit beyond my time. Like, I don't, there's not really records that kind of a nostalgic value to me. But then there was the CD section. And I'll tell you what, CDs, $3. $3 a CD, but I'm flicking through and there's all these old classic CDs that are just, like, memories are flooding back, like Linkin Park, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Smashing Pumpkins, like all these silver chair, like old school silver chair, and it's just flooding back, and I'm just having this nostalgic kind of moment. But I started thinking about kind of earlier on in my life, and uh, and I got a bit of a testimony this morning, if that's all right, a little bit of a story, and just to kick off the nostalgic moment of the story, uh, I remember when I had my when I had a Walkman, like a tape Walkman. Did anyone have a tape Walkman? I've still got my original tape Walkman. Unfortunately, it doesn't actually work. But I remember when, uh, like, I would, I started getting into Christian music. Like, I got saved when I was kind of young and grew up in church a bit. Uh, but I started listening to Christian music, and there was this song that came on on Rima 
that absolutely blew me away. Like I wasn't into Christian music too much. But this one song, I think it was by Delirious called Jesus Freak. Like who remembers Jesus Freak? DC Talk, DC Talk. Sorry, I did get that wrong. But I was only into this one song, really. So, But it came onto the radio and it blew me away. I was like, this is incredible. Like, they can actually do music. And, <laughs> but I had no idea what it was called, who did it. Like, I had no idea. So I came on the radio and they disappeared. And there's no Spotify. There was nothing. It was just like that music's disappeared. Like, I didn't know where it went. Like, how do I get that back? And I actually had, like, one of those tape players with a radio that you could record the radio. So at this point in my life, I was like, that's it. I've got to just listen to Rima until this song comes back on so I can record that thing. So I hid in my cupboard. Like, I don't know why it was, I hid in my cupboard. But I, I'm like, <laughs> like 600 deep cupboard, like little chair. And I sat there and like listened to Rima, like ready to press record when Jesus Freak came on. And so I sat there for a good while. I could have just sat in my room. I have no idea why. Hit record, bam, Jesus Freak. And then I had it for good on tape and I could listen to it over and over. But this time in my life um, was a pretty kind of interesting, tumultuous little bit of a time in my life. And a lot of people don't know that, this about me, but I had a stepfather. I had a stepdad. And I had a stepsister. And um, no longer my stepdad and stepsister. Um, but I was probably around 10, 11 years old when my stepfather and my, sister, my stepsister kind of came into our world. And um, there were some great times. There were some incredible times in this moment of life. Like my stepdad helped me learn how to ride a dirt bike and I got my dirt bike license and he helped me eat healthy, which was a bit of a struggle. Like I was a pretty, um, you know, rotund child. I actually, I just loved hot dogs. Like I tell you what, I iron hot dog now and I just like, oh, I just, want, I just want a hot dog. I love hot dogs and pies. So, like, not healthy for me whatsoever. Um, actually, when I, I used to play soccer and I used to get those, you know, best improved awards, you know, that's when you know you're doing really good. And um, I used to get sore ankles and the doctor just said, yeah, he's a little bit, like, tubby and he doesn't have much support on his ankles, the poor kid. And so I think my stepdad just kind of helped me out and he started helping me eat salads and things. So I'm really grateful for my stepdad for that. And we had some great holidays and things. But as time went on, and he, he was a believer... But as time went on in our life, uh, things got a little bit tense. You know, the classic stepfather, stepson clash started to happen. And the, the household, the tension in the house got real. It got pretty, it got pretty bad. We had a lot of arguments, um, a lot of kind of emotional things going on. And, and my stepdad, the relationship really got soured. And my stepdad, like I said, he was a believer, but he, he was really religious and judgmental in the way he kind of walked with God. And he would start to say things to me uh, when all this tension and stuff was going on. He used to say things like, how can you call yourself a Christian? How could you be a believer? And he had this kind of idea that he taught us that, you know, any moment I was going to hell. Like any moment. Like it was kind of like if you sinned and you didn't repent, you know, if you didn't repent for that thing that you did, if you're gone, you're gone. You're going to hell. You're like, you've got to repent for every single little thing that you did. And I remember being going on like family holidays on the aeroplane and sitting on the aeroplane, I'm thinking of all the things. Like, I'm like, oh, if this aeroplane goes down, I'm going to hell. If I can't think about all the different sins. So I'm sitting in the plane, I'm like, Lord, help me remember all the sins so I can repent for them all. And so kind of slowly and surely, this, this kind of talk kind of got into my life. And things got really tense. And he used to make me do, like, if I got in trouble, I'd do hard labor. It was called hard labor. It's like, that's it, hard labor for you. And I'd be like, oh, not again. And... Uh, so heart labor was usually weeding in the garden. Oh, so now I've got post-traumatic stress syndrome for weeding. 
is around the pool with all the little pebbles, you know, little white pebbles, and like, so I'd be weeding in them, I'd be whipping off the tops. And you go, no, you got to get the roots. Otherwise, they grow back real quick. So I'd like have to dig down and my fingers will like get real sore and get all the, and I'd be out there with my Discman, like listening to my Discman, listening to Toby Mac. Any other Toby Mac fans? But hey. And, um, and then one time he made me polish the pool fence, like with car polish, you know, like, like you know, the, like the, the vertical ones, like get out there with the rag and like polish up and down the fence and like he wanted to get a real shine on it, you know, because it kind of got a little bit crusty from the, from the UV wear. But this kind of talk in our relationship started to kind of really sink into my life. You know, how can you call yourself a Christian? You know, you know all this kind of talk. And I remember this one distinct moment. I remember it clear as day. I was sitting on the edge of my bed and I had my teen Bible, my fluoro, like yellow and purple teen Bible. Does any, did anyone have one of those? I think it was the only thing that had a kurong for teens. And my teen Bible was pretty thick, hard cover, and it had like a fluoro see-through plastic cover as well, which is, I don't know, it was pretty cool. I thought it was cool. I was sitting on my bedside table and this kind of talk over my life started, had, had worn me down. And I think I was reading, I think I remember I was reading either Corinthians or Colossians, started with C. And, um, and I closed my Bible, and I didn't really, you know, as a teen, you read the Bible, but you kind of like don't know exactly what you read. You just, you know, you're meant to get the word in you. And I closed it, and I put it down. And I remember having this conversation with God. I said to God, I don't, it seems I'm not too cut out for this stuff. I'm not too cut out to be a Christian, and, and like I'm not doing this well or something. I put my Bible down and I said, so I'm going to go away. I'm going to sort myself out and I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back to you, God, when I'm a bit better. I put my Bible down and it was kind of a good while where I just kind of, my relationship with God went on pause because I didn't think I was good enough for God or something. And in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that's a really powerful moment. And, And really life went on and I was working at Eagle Boy's Pizza Shout out, Eager Boys. Does anyone remember Eager Boys? Yeah, Warner's Bay Eager Boys. If you bought a pizza from Warner's Bay Eager Boys, I probably made it. I was king pizza maker. And um, working at Eager Boys, got a non-Christian girlfriend, stopped going to youth. It was just nothing horrible. I just wasn't pursuing God anymore. I'd say I still believed that Jesus died for my sins. I still believed maybe I was saved, but I just, I wasn't pursuing God anymore. I, put, I pushed pause on my pursuit because I didn't think God wanted me to pursue Him. I didn't think I was good enough to pursue God. I didn't think I was, had all my stuff together enough to pursue God. And when I read in Genesis this passage where Adam and Eve went and hid, it's, I can't help but think that it's exactly the same kind of thing. And I can't help but think we, we all do the same kind of thing time to time throughout our life. And maybe it's been a long while, maybe it's been a week, but we, stuff happens in our life where we realise that we're broken humans and we hide from God and we hide from Him and we, we hide our heart from Him. We might come to church every week, we might do religious kind of Christian things, but really we've hidden our heart from God because we don't believe He likes us or we don't believe that we're good enough to really pursue Him or raise our hands when we come to church on a Sunday. And we, and we kind of, we've lost all confidence and we hide our heart. And I find myself doing the same thing time to time. 
And it's kind of like we come back to God. I'm like, oh, you, subconsciously sometimes we just find ourselves in this funk where we've stopped pursuing God and we've pushed pause on that. And this is why I come to my first point this morning is cancel all confidence, the title of the message. You see, when we hide our heart from God, we're actually putting confidence in ourselves. As a young child, I was like, you know, I need to go away and I need to clean up house. I need to tidy the house, my internal house, before I'm ready to come and pursue God. And in essence, what I've done is I've put confidence in my own abilities to be good enough for God. And it's like, who, who does this with their house? Like, I even when I was preparing this message, right, I was like, I need to tidy my room and the house needs to be perfect and ready for me to, like, feel clear. And, re-. you know, we do it with our uni work or important assignments. We, we uh, pro- you know, like we procrastinate by tidying our house, getting things ready, and then I'm going to be right. I'm going to be clear. I'm going to be right. I'm going to be spiritual. I'm going to be able to connect with God to prepare my message. And we tidy everything. Does anyone do that? Oh, yeah, there are tidy freaks out there. Like, I definitely do that. Like, I feel like sometimes I can't calm down until things are tidied. But we do the same thing with God. We, we try to tidy everything up before we, we feel like we can come to Him. And maybe we have a good week where we feel like we've tidied things up. And we're like, I feel, I feel like I can come into the presence of God now. Like, I feel good. I haven't done that thing. I haven't done that habit. I haven't been doing those things that I usually do. I haven't been angry at my kids or my wife or I haven't snapped or I haven't lied or I haven't, whatever it is, fill in the blank. But, you know, we do it for a week or two weeks and we're like, oh, I feel pretty good about myself. Like, I'm feeling pretty righteous. I must be good to come into the presence. We come into the presence of God confident and well and, and that's all good and fine. But essentially, we've just put our confidence in ourselves and our own righteousness. And so when I say cancel all confidence, you might be on the high end of confidence, Oh, I'm pretty, I've got things sorted out. You know, like I, I, got, I got my house in order, I got everything good. And that is good, that's fine, you know, that's, that's great. But you might have high confidence in your righteousness and your spirituality and the things that you do. Or you might have a real low confidence. And you're kind of stuck in a place of shame and kind of put down, kind of where I was as a kid, heavy weights on your shoulders. And you, just, you, just, you know you're not good enough. You're in this place where you're, you're low and you kind of just, you don't fit, you just know that the things that's happening in your world, you know your brokenness, you're very aware, but there's this shame that hangs over you. In either case, in high confidence here or low confidence here, if your confidence isn't in the finished work of the cross, your confidence lies within your own abilities to be good enough. So whether it's up here or down here, guess what? Your confidence is still in your own abilities. And this is exactly why, and I hope this kind of sticks in your mind this morning and sticks in your mind for a good time. This is why I think we need to cancel all confidence. Cancel all confidence, absolute all confidence. Cancel confidence in our religious attempts to be good enough for God and to come into His presence. Cancel all confidence. If you feel pretty good about your, your trappings and things, just like the Pharisees, Cancel it. If you're feeling pretty low, cancel it. You need to cancel all confidence that you have in yourself because you need to replace where your confidence lies. And it can't be in yourself anymore. It needs to be in God and God alone and the finished work of the cross. And I absolutely love Paul because in a Philippians, he nails this. Absolutely. Paul is a genius. I love it. Philippians 3, 1 to 5. This is a good passage. If you haven't read this passage, you just need to like 
read it for the whole year. Uh, Philippians 3, not 1 to 5, 1 to 15. We're going long. We're going long. We ready? It's up on the screen. This is Paul. And we've got to remember that Paul is like the Jewish Jew of all the Jews. Like, he's... He's, he is like pinup boy for the Jews. He's got it all happening. He is like, he's good. He's great. He even says so. He humble brags. <laughs> says here. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. So, you know, if we're preaching the same things over and over, that's all right. Paul does the same thing. And it's a safeguard for you. He says, watch out for those dogs. That's Paul with his trash talk. Like, seriously, <laughs> watch out for those dogs. That's like, that's pretty, oh, that's full on. Those evildoers and those mutilators of the flesh. He's talking about the religious. He says, for it is we who are the circumcision, who serve God by his spirit. Another message, going to that another time soon. But we serve God by his spirit who boasts, who boasts in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence, zero confidence in the flesh. But he says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. This is a humble brag. Like, he's just like, like I put no confidence in the flesh, but I've got pretty good reasons to put confidence in the flesh. Like, and some of us, we might have some pretty good reasons to feel pretty good about our righteousness. I've been saved for 20 years. I've been, I've been married for 50, whatever it might be, whatever it is in your mind that you put confidence in. Paul says he's got reasons for such confidence says, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. <laughs> and he, he, lifts off, he lists off his resume. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But he says, whatever were gains to me now, whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. I love that. Paul considers all of his reasons to put confidence in the flesh. Every single reason that he lists off, and he could probably list off more, but he lists off some pretty big ones. He did his humble brag, but he said, I consider them garbage, absolute trash, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, and to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And then I love this portion. He says, because that portion was a bit heavy. He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Man, how good is that? Paul's like, 
all my good works, which I've got plenty, he says. Garbage, absolute garbage. The best of them, the worst of them is garbage. He says, I consider them garbage for the sake of knowing Christ. And he alludes to the fact that he's still on a journey. So I haven't taken a hold of everything that Christ has for me. He says, I strain forward, I press on towards the things that God has for me, which is the pinnacle is Christ Jesus and relationship with God, connection with God. But I've come to church every week. Someone might tell themselves, it's great, it's really good, it's healthy. But I've been tithing for 20 years. God surely, like, He likes me because I've been tithing and I've got proof because I'm blessed. That's great. Don't put confidence in that. But I've always been a good person. Like, I haven't done really anything bad. So? Or on the other end, you might be saying, I've still got, but I've still got this addiction. But I've still got this secret habit. I've still got this thing lingering around in my life that I can't break. I still haven't done enough for God. I still haven't done enough for Him to like me. I still haven't tidied my house up good enough. And I I just say this morning, chuck your butts in the bin. Chuck your ciggy butts in the bin. (laughs) Because that's what they are to God. Our works, no matter how great or how small, to earn God's favour and His love, that's all they are doing. They're sea butts, they're rubbish, they're trash. We've got to chuck it out. We've got to have cancel all confidence in our flesh and we have to put it in Him. Go to Him with your messy house. Go, go, hey God, here's my messy house. These are all the things that are wrong with my messy house. And God goes, great. Now you can hand them over to me. Now you can talk to me about things. Now you can connect with me. This is called a relationship. You can talk to me about your pain. You can talk to me about your shame. You can bring things into the light. We start to, this is where we start to actually experience the goodness of God because He doesn't shove us away. He doesn't push us aside. And this is why, number two, I'll be quick. Where are we going? What time is it? Number two, we need to recalibrate our rhetoric. And I didn't really know what rhetoric was before I wrote that because I just wanted to, to, uh, you know, to be like preacher-like with the titles. I kind of did. But it means persuasive language. I'll tell you what, the serpent had some persuasive language. You know, the the things in your head, the voices in your head aren't just your voice. There's the enemy, the deceiver, and he loves lies. There's your voice, which is your flesh, your carnal nature, which is broken desires are broken. There's the world, the culture, your kind of your cultural conditioning. You know, you're not a product of your own making. And then there's God. Did I miss any, Pastor Keith? Oh, others. That's a good one. I didn't actually have that in my notes. There's God and there's others. And so if we can distinguish the fact that there is an enemy who wants to lie and say, oh, you, you can't be good enough. How are you good enough to raise your hands? How are you good enough? Look at all these things you did. You know, the enemy is actually called the accuser of the brethren. The accuser, of the, he wants to, he loves accusing, throwing accusations. But if we can start to recognize that this is not just our own voices in our head, that it's actually a rhetoric from the enemy that's trying to disarm and dispower uh, the, the, the truth of God 
in our lives and cut us off from experiencing God's love and, and help. If he wants, if he's helping us push pause on the on the pursue God button, he's gonna help us. And 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Don't trust every thought that's in your mind. And that's why we need to get the Word into our world. That's why we need to feed on the Word of God. That's why we need to, we need to recalibrate our rhetoric to what God's Word actually says about us. And the enemy might be saying, how can you call yourself a Christian? And God's saying, hey, if you believe, if you have faith in the finished work of the cross, you're a son, you're a daughter. It actually, Scripture actually says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And there are countless moments throughout the New Testament where Paul starts to speak about this and talk about the fact that you're a new creation. You're a son and a daughter of God Most High. He's paid for every single sin, your past, present, future. He opens up the way. He's closed the gap so that you can walk with Him again. I love playing dress-ups with my kids. And one funny thing that Nathaniel does Actually, both of my boys, they've all done it. They'll be in a Spider-Man costume or something. And Nathaniel loves it. He'll be running around, shooting webs. He's pretending to be Spider-Man. And, and I love to get in the moment with him and just, I don't know, be Green Goblin. And if I'm not being Green Goblin enough, he points to me and says, Green Goblin! And then all of a sudden, I've got to be Green Goblin. I'm like, all right, buddy, I'll be Green Goblin, throwing pumpkin bombs at him and stuff like that. But when I start to get in the mode too much and I say to Nathaniel, I, I, I'm like, hey, Spider-Man, blah, blah, blah. He gets a bit worried. He takes off his mask. He's like, I'm Nathaniel. I'm Nathaniel. But I tell you what, we need to do the same thing with who God says we are. Sometimes we need to peel back the lies and the things that maybe culture, maybe the enemy, maybe others have been saying about us. We need to peel it back and we need to go, no, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God Most High. I am found in Christ. That's who I am. And we need to start reminding ourselves of who we are, just like Nathaniel said. I'm Nathaniel. Don't, don't confuse me with anyone else. That's what we need to do with the lies that the enemy throw at us. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. Don't try and confuse me anymore. Man. And you see, I love that passage in Genesis because Adam and Eve hide and they get the fig leaves and they hide themselves just like we do sometimes. But what I love about that passage is God made the first move. If He didn't didn't catch it, they're hiding and God's walking in the cool of the day and He's the one that calls out. God makes the first move. He says, hey, where are you? Where are you? Where are you guys? And it's an invitation. And Adam and Eve respond. And they actually respond to God, but unfortunately there was consequences and We know the rest of the story, but God had a plan in the works. Scriptures say that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. God had a plan in the works to reconnect humanity back to Himself, to close the gap so that we could come boldly into His throne room of grace. 
It was his son. And you know, another powerful thing about Genesis is that further on, God actually made the first animal sacrifice. God made the first animal sacrifice and he made clothes for Adam and Eve. This is the first fashion designer. And he made, he made clothes for Adam and Eve to cover their sin and shame. His mercy was evident. And just as God did that for Adam and Eve, He sent sent a greater sacrifice. Jesus Christ came for us and willingly gave His life up on the cross and shed His blood so that it would cover every single part of our sin and shame, that His blood would wash us clean, white as snow. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that so whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.